Welcome to the Pinion Combination Podcast. I'm KJ Pilcher with G. Wyatt Schultz of the Predicament and Hall of Famer Dick Briggs. Uh, the NCAA Division I tournament uh, is in the books. Uh, we got through the seasons, the high school season and the college seasons um, with, uh, uh, you know, at least with some semblance of uh, end of the year tournament. Uh, the National Wrestling Coaches Association um, D3 tournament was the weekend before in Coralville. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, let's work backwards here. Uh, the D1s this last weekend in St. Louis, the Enterprise Center. Uh, the University of Iowa comes away with its first uh, team title in uh, in 11 years. Uh, in 2010 was the last one in Omaha. And uh, uh, a drought that uh, was finally ended for the University of Iowa. Yeah, and it was good to see, you know, overall, um, I, th I think as, as a general thing, you know, I think maybe the general public or the Iowa fans were probably a little disappointed in some of the results. But, you know, you actually look at it and, and it really wasn't that bad of a tournament for them. Um, you know, uh, you know, maybe a couple disappointments, but you know, overall, it really wasn't a wasn't a bad tournament. Yeah, I agree with that. They obviously they were disappointed in the finals. Uh, you know, putting four in there and coming away with one champ, but but uh, um, I, I I think in the, in the long run it might have helped because maybe those guys that might have been on the bubble, whether they're coming back or not next year, without winning it, probably want to come back now, which I think that. that couple of announced or whatever maybe they're coming back anyway for all I know but but uh you know it, it, they didn't get to wrestle last year you know they're they're disappointed in their national championship title this year <laughs> that sounds funny doesn't it <laughs> and uh and then so you know they might be hungry as heck next year but it just it just shows you that it's going to be fun and competitive next year so uh, I'm already anxious for that to start yeah you know and of course the the big thing that came out after the tournament finished was the fact that Spencer Lee uh, said that, you know, he was competing uh, with the ACL blown in his other knee. We know as a freshman, uh, he suffered that. Uh, uh, I can't remember what, I, I think it was his left knee uh, as a freshman. Uh, he said he suffered that in the, the finals against Jack Mueller. Um, you know, and this time, uh, he said eight to 10 days ago, you know, he blew the ACL out and the other knee and he was doing things that, uh, you know, the doctors said, Hey, you shouldn't be able to do that, um, with the injury that you have. And he just, uh, just kind of took care of business and then shared it afterwards sounded like he was even reluctant to share it and even said, Hey, if I had lost, uh, I wouldn't have said a word about it. Uh, no excuses. Um, you know, was pretty much his motto. And, you know, th does that add to what he was able to accomplish winning his third title? I think it does. You know, the first thing I thought of when I, when he announced that or at the press conference <clears throat> was, uh, Corey Clark. Uh, sure. winning, winning the national title with no shoulder, 
Um, that was the first thing that came to my mind when he, uh, uh, when he brought that up, <clears throat> because uh, that's got to be pretty hard, you know, to uh, not shoot, not sprawl uh, with, with no knee. Mm-hmm. I guess I thought it was pretty phenomenal. Shoot, I can't hardly shoot with two good knees, much less. Uh... <laughs> well, I'll go even further with the with the ACL blowing. I mean, all of the traveling that you have to do, and then once you're there, into the arena to check weight, to, to work out, to you know, to into the hotel. I mean, you, you're you're moving around a lot on that, and that's not easy. And most of us would have would struggle to do that, let alone stepping on the mat. And, uh, and winning the national championship. Um, I, I, when I f- first heard it, my mind went to, uh, my, I'm surprised he's saying something. Uh, you know, uh, aren't the trials in two weeks? And so I was yeah. surprised he was, you know, kind of tipping his hand there, which made me think, is he going to wrestle now in the Olympic trials? Would, it, would that take him out of it? So I guess we'll have to wait and see unless you've heard something, KJ. Well, at the at the press conference, he said right now he said they're taking it day by day, but right now he's planning on being there. And he says if he's going to go down, if he's going to go down, he's going to go down swinging. So he, he said he plans to be there, and it almost sounded like somebody maybe kind of encouraged him or pushed him towards saying something. Um, you know, it sounded like he was pretty reluctant to say it himself, but you know, he kind of said they thought it'd be a good idea to. To mention it, the one thing that I, I guess I think would be uh, uh, maybe an incentive to say something is when it comes to the Hodge Trophy, because uh, I don't think it's going to be a runaway this year. Uh, I think Gable Stevenson and Spencer are. I, I really do think it's a one A one B, and you know, given the fact that Hart is one of the categories for voting. You know, you have to take into consideration, you know, he he won a title and almost bonused his way through uh, the field. It was just a, a point shy in the finals uh, there. Um, he won 7-0 over Brandon Courtney from Arizona State, so 8-0. But, um, you know, you got to consider that if you're talking about Hart that, hey, okay, you know, sure, the other guy's – wrestled and, and won, but here he was doing an injured, you know, point in his favor. Um, so maybe that, that maybe that's why somebody encouraged him to, to bring it up in the first place. But you're right, uh, you know, when you go down, what is it, Dallas, um, here in, in a week and a half, two weeks, um, that's going to be something he's going to have to deal with as well and, and tip his hand to those guys as he's vying for a Olympic team trial spot. Right. I guess you can kind of, you know, another example of kind of hiding it and then coming out after the fact is Jordan Burroughs when he uh, won his world championship with, with a, what was his injury? I forget now. Broken ankle. Broken ankle, yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, those are really great stories. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's amazing what happens in, in our sport. And I'm sure in other sports too, but when they come out, boy, that's a, that's a metal of courage right there for sure. Uh, there's uh, uh, you mentioned the uh, Iowa had uh, three in the finals, uh, Jaden Ironman 
Michael Kemmerer both lost in uh, sudden victory to Penn State opponents they beat in the Big Ten championship. So uh, uh, Nick Lee at 141, and then uh, Carter Scarocci uh, uh, got their revenge in the finals as Penn State went four for four and ended up finishing uh, second. Uh, one of the other uh, performances I want to talk about, uh, David Carr. Uh, you know, I, I know there are some people that uh, that picked him. Um, he was somebody that uh, certainly knew he was capable, but boy, uh, he he had a couple of nice wins there. And uh, 40 years after Nate Carr won his first of three titles, David Carr wins his first for for Iowa State. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, he he wrestled pretty well of course I um some of the names that he wrestled uh <clears throat> I uh with the dream team that I've been involved with uh you know that Brayton Lee uh that that he beat in the quarters uh was a tough match he's a kid out of Indiana um along with that Davison out of at 197 for uh, Northwestern and both a couple of good kids out of Indiana but uh uh Pretty, pretty impressive for, for a young guy. Um, and uh, kind of like Spencer, pretty humble about uh, his accomplishments. Yeah, and, you know, David had, I mean, I don't think it was a surprise, and I don't think it was a long shot to, to bet that he might win a, a uh, national title based on his body of work this year during the season. He, he really had a great season. And, uh, you know, so I, I'm, I'm happy for him. He seems like a great guy. Always seems to have a smile on his face and just a really pleasant kid to be around. So I'm really happy for he and for Iowa State. Yeah, that smile was pretty evident, uh, you know, on the award stand and, and everything. Uh, his path, uh, Wyatt, you mentioned the overtime victory against uh, Brayton Lee. Um, you know, and then there was the, the semifinal victory against Heidley. Uh, Heidley had beaten them in the U.S. Senior uh, Championships here in Coralville, um, you know, in October. I know it's freestyle, but still, uh, still a venture loss there. Um, and the one thing I liked about that, uh, about Carr and that win, he was shooting late in the third to ice that instead of holding off and, you know, trying to protect it and coast to the end, he was, you know, that whole, your best defense is a good offense kind of thing. And uh, he got a nice uh, takedown there to ice that Heidley victory. And then of course he kind of wrestled a little bit of an underdog there in the, the finals. Um, Jesse Delavecchia, who had a big upset over Ryan Deacon in the semis uh, with a pin but he was in control the whole match, one for nothing. Uh, and that was big. That was uh, Iowa State's first title since uh, Kyvin Gadsden in 2015. Um, so, and actually, Kevin Dresser's first national champion. That was something that surprised me a little bit. Um, when he was at VT, had a, had a national runner-up, but not a champ. Um, so, David Carr's his first champ. So, that's good for Dresser, good for the Iowa State program. 
Yeah, I did not realize that that was Dresser's first national champion. But you were speaking of uh, Carr uh, going after it, uh, even with uh, when he was in the lead, because he was doing that with Delvecchia as well. At least I thought uh, staying as an aggressor rather than uh, being defensive at the end. Incredible win, and I, I, I didn't realize that until you just said it now, KJ, that that was Dresser's first, so I just hadn't really thought much about it. I knew he hadn't had one at Iowa State, but thought he might have had one at uh, Virginia Tech. But I did, I did too. Uh, two things I'll bring up about uh, that really quick, uh, or about uh, Carr and Iowa State really quick. One, they had probably about as bad of a first round as you could have. Uh, they went like two and six. Um, quite a few guys were eliminated uh, before Friday came around. Um, of course, David Carr, Danny Grummel were the only ones to win in the first round. And, uh, Grummel made the semis and ended up finishing fifth at heavyweight for their two All-Americans. But they ended up coming back. They had a couple wins uh, on the backside, you know, Coleman, uh, Colbray. Um, and they came back and tied for 13th. And I know, like, first, you know, uh, maybe impression of tied for 13th, oh, big deal. That's not so bad. But considering where they started, yeah. um, I, I think tied for 13th is actually uh, says a lot about making the most out of uh, the guys that you had still going. You know, and, and at the same time, you know, uh, speaking of that, they only had three three guys ranked in the top or seated in the top top eight. Um, you know, and Gremmel uh, placed higher than his seed. Carr placed higher than his seed, mm -hmm. and uh, and and Parker got beat out, uh, but he still won a match. So, um, you know, like like you said, overall they didn't really have a a real bad tournament, considering. But but I would consider I would agree, KJ. That first round is not what you want to come out and do. Yeah. You know, at one point in time, they were uh, one and obviously one and six before Grummel won his match, and and uh, yeah, but that's uh, the way you look at it, you're yeah, I think zero and four to start. Right. Like, and, you know, and, I, I, you know, Dagan's a returning or two years ago returning All American, I guess. Uh, and he's just struggled all year long. I know there's got to be some physical thing that went on there, some injury or whatever, but but uh, felt bad for him. Mm -hmm. that, that was another thing I was going to, you know, talking about Dagan. Uh, it seemed like, and then you could throw in Runyon, um, medically forfeited. It seems like there was uh, a lot of injuries or nagging injuries that came into this tournament, like Michael Lewis. Um uh, at least that was my impression on going over some of this. It seemed like there was a lot of a lot of injuries that had to to pull out. Certainly high profile injuries with Lewis, champion two years ago. And uh, I I I think maybe you could look at the unusual year. You know, a lot of places you weren't able to get in the facilities and train like you normally would. Uh, you know, the season uh, probably wasn't the same with protocols and maybe some 
teams being shut down for uh, two weeks at a time. And, you know, uh, when you don't have that same type of training or, or the same uh, routine, you can be kind of open to injuries and, and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. There was a, a few of them that I think came into the season with them. Like I, I, I really believe Dagan did just mm-hmm. start the season uh, um, in the lineup. I know, uh, you know, with you and I, Hoshlog, he's had to struggle forever. It seems like wasn't able to wrestle this year. This year, uh, now Michael Lewis, his shoulder happened just what six or seven days before the tournament, something like that, and. Uh, and then Runyon, I don't know the story on him. I know he missed a lot of wrestling this year as well. So I don't know when he actually got hurt. You know, and another and another one was uh, didn't Sloan get, just get hurt towards the end of the year as well? I think you're right. I did hear that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, one of the things I wanted to bring up too, uh, David Carr's celebration with Metcalf afterwards. Well, what'd you what'd you think about that? Interesting. I thought it was funny. I thought they were willing to poke fun at themselves a little bit, uh, especially Metcalf with it being the same arena with the whole called wall situation. Um, you know, I I thought I thought it was kind of funny myself. I was kind of disappointed actually because it, it called oh. attention to Metcalf when it was David Carr's time and. You know, maybe he'll be remembered for that, you know, that tackle or getting tackled or whatever. And, and obviously he agreed to it. So, um, but I just thought, you know, it kind of changed the focus from David to, to Metcalf. So I was disappointed in that respect. I mean, it was harmless, but, but uh, that's my feeling, I guess. But um, the champion after David Carr, uh, Shane Griffith. You know, I think uh, there have been a few moments that have caused the hair on my arms to kind of stand up and uh, goosebumps to form. When Shane Griffith won and the crowd started chanting, bring back Stanford, uh, it, it was a reduced crowd, but you wouldn't have known it really. Um, that was one of those moments where uh, – I was just a little speechless because it really showed uh, the respect and the the rally, I guess, of the wrestling community for those folks at Stanford, Coach Borelli, uh, Griffith, uh, even people that were cheering on uh, Real Woods, uh, Nathan Traxler, uh, heavyweight, those guys throughout the tournament. And given the fact that, uh, you know, here the last match, as far as we know, in Stanford history, and it's going to be Shane Griffith's uh, championship win. Uh, just seemed like a kind of an emotional moment and uh, one that I thought was bittersweet, given the circumstances. Exactly. I, I thought, you know, what a, what a way to – maybe in a way slam your administration by winning a national title um, or give them maybe a little slap in the face that maybe you, maybe we shouldn't uh, um, quit the program. 
Uh, I, you're right. I thought that was pretty cool that uh, they got a they got a national title out of that. Well, I mean that here's here's the situation. So they're not the only school that's dropping wrestling this year, as I understand it, Fresno State, right? Right. And so, so I mean, the two schools out there out in California. Yet Stanford has gone to the to the uh, uh, to the extreme of trying to save it, and they fundraised. Twelve million dollars, as I understand, which which would uh, um, you know fund the program for fifty years, and and uh, you know Stanford still won't reinstate wrestling as a sport. I don't know why why they won't. Or, you know, hopefully they'll reconsider or something. But you know, so with you know with the attention that was brought to to Stanford by these wrestlers, I think that's great. But it just it's alarming to the rest of the wrestling community that that, that can happen and is happening. And, uh, you know, it's just, I, I'm so, ha so happy for these kids that wrestled. And then I, as I understand, a few of them walked away from the program and I don't blame them. They left the program once they heard that. And, um, but you know, these guys, wow, good for them. And KJ explained the singlet thing. That was cool. Yeah. Where, uh, so I've heard two versions. One he wore, he it was just an all black singlet. Um, the other that it was turned inside out uh, to prevent, you know, to not uh, uh, show the Stanford uh, uh, logo and, and name, but certainly uh, uh, a message there um, from from him and. You know, uh, like you mentioned, Fresno State, uh, another situation where they're dropping it after the season. So technically it's done now. Uh, Parco at 149 ends up being an All-American uh, as well. The one thing I thought was interesting was Shane Griffith after the title and, and he was being interviewed. I mean, it sounds like members of the wrestling program continue to reach out to the administration and say, what do we need to do? What can we do? You know, okay. You want us to raise $10 million? Go out. We raised 12. Now, what do you want us to do? They keep the, the saying that comes to mind is they keep moving the, the, the goalposts, right? They are. Yeah. You know, okay. You told us to go raise $10 million. We raised 12. What do you want us to do now? Oh, you want us to do something different now. But they're not even actually engaging in conversation about what it would take. And that's the thing that's pretty upsetting, too, is that, like Dick said, they're showing no interest in one. Here's a program that's willing to go out and do things themselves. Hey, we'll do whatever it takes. You know, we'll fund it. We'll, we'll get people to donate and fund this program and still Stanford's going uh, it, it sounds like um, Stanford is setting these um, criteria for bringing back the program and you do this step this step this step and then when they reach those steps well you can do what you want we're still not bringing it back yeah a couple of things first of all I was I was really proud of, of Griffin in that he did not really trash the, the administration or the school. I thought he was very classy in his comments. Very much. Yes, you know, slightly critical, but but not in, not harmful or anything in, in that respect. So I appreciated him for that. Uh, as far as the school is concerned, I'm I'm thinking, you know, why don't they? So, but you know, so here's Stanford has, I think, the most 
programs of any college or any university in the in the, in the uh, United States or darn near. They you know they have over thirty some varsity sports and they I think they're cutting nine or eleven or something to that effect. And so if they're cutting wrestling and then they allow wrestling to come back, does that mean they're gonna they have to do that with other sports? I'm trying to think what the administration why they wouldn't wouldn't accept that twelve million in funding for. I mean it's gonna bring uh, uh, enrollment in the form of wrestlers into the school. So I don't understand what they you know what they're thinking. You know they, it's it's gonna be a win win for them to do that. Is it so? You know, I, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out why they wouldn't do it. It's it's not right. easy. <laughs> you know, the uh, and the other thing too, and I feel just as bad for uh, Troy Steiner and the guys at Fresno State because you know that was a program that was cut. They resurrected it, uh, and actually Fresno State, you know, had been in the top ten in the top five of attendance. You know, they've done some good things and they were bringing people in, in building, uh, 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 building a following and building some uh, attention to the program and bringing people in and actually having a fan base and then for it to get pulled out from underneath them again. Uh, uh, I feel bad for Fresno State as well. Um, Right. They did a lot of creative things like uh, wrestling meets on uh, some warship battleship or whatever out there. I think that was really cool. And uh, so you're right. They've done a nice job of, of boosting their their attendance and, you know, and their coffers a little bit in that respect. So, um, yeah. you know, California is such a hotbed for wrestlers and so few places to wrestle now and just lost two more. That's what baffled me the most was the fact that their lead, you know, in the top 10, like you said, KJ, in the top 10, top five in attendance, and then cut the program. It just, it's just baffling. Don't get it. Don't get it. Well, let's, uh, let's circle back to the Iowa schools here. Um, let's touch on uh, you and I really quick. Uh, just, just one All-American, uh, Parker Keckheisen had a heck of a tournament. Um <laughs> His lone loss came to, to Aaron Brooks in the semis. Uh, Keck, I, I tell you what, um, Keckheisen probably gained a lot of fans um, over this week if, if they weren't already, uh, you know, followers of him. Uh, I know there are people on Twitter that talked about how, I bet, uh, I think, oh, excuse me. Uh, but uh, Keckheisen. Uh, like so we have somebody that's a Keckheisen fan here, actually, <laughs> apparently. But I'll let you guys talk about uh, Keckheisen and what he was able to. Do. Well, I, I thought with with his Brooks match, I thought he wrestled a great match with Brooks. Um, uh, because that was probably, I guess I didn't go, really go back and look, but but that was probably Brooks' toughest match through the whole tournament was Kekai's. And, um, you know, in Northern Iowa overall, um, with their the seeds that they had, um, they didn't wrestle necessarily a real bad tournament either, you know, considering um, Runyon with, uh, with his injuries and so on and so forth. Well, I got to believe that, uh, that you and I 
to follow up on your last comment, was disappointed at at, at either end. I think they probably wanted to see an All-American in Teske and then also with Isley, but heavyweight was such a deep weight and could go any, any direction. Um, you know, so I think they're disappointed with that, but man, that, you're right, KJ. Kikaisen is just a fun guy. He's, he's, he's a blast. He's fun to wrestle. He just always is going and, and he's always on his feet attacking and, and uh, I'm pretty sure that guy could wrestle a half an hour match. Yeah. Uh, I know a couple people on Twitter said they think Keck Heisen shot more than anybody in the entire tournament um, over the three days. And uh, I, <laughs> I think that might be the truth. Uh, I got a kick out of Doug Schwab's comment where uh, he talked about people that might criticize Keck Heisen and said, if you don't like the way he wrestles, you don't like wrestling. You hate wrestling if you don't like the way he wrestles. And he's like, I got, I got nothing for you then. Uh, because, and, and it's true. I mean, he's mm -hmm. just a goer. And, you know, he just, just puts the metal to the, uh, to the floor, the pedal to the metal, and, and goes forward. And he's fun. And, of course, we're trying to, trying to figure all this stuff out. Uh, it's, I mean, there's. Michelle Van Dorn, who was helping out uh, with uh, UNI's uh, SID, um, Jim Nelson at the Courier, uh, some of the other people that uh, cover UNI, we're trying to iron out the freshmen, and I think we have it. Uh, I think we finally came down to it was the best finish at the D1 level by a freshman, UNI freshman. Since Jim Harmon and uh, Bill Wick uh, were finalists in 1952, so almost 70 years um, since the last since somebody placed this high the D1 tournament. Now, of course, Dick, you know there is a section there where there are individuals uh, competing at the D2 level, and even some of them that you know advanced and wrestled at the D1 tournament in the same year. Um, back when you could do that. So it was, it was kind of tough to iron out everything, but I think we figured out Keck Eisen was the 10th freshman uh, to become an All-American uh, for you and I at the D1 level. Right, and that just goes to show you the, you know, what he did. I mean, uh, not to take anything away from him, but I got to stand up for my teammates <laughs> a little bit here. Uh, it's, it wasn't quite the level playing field. Or maybe it was, I don't know. But I back in the day, that uh, you and I was Division Two, and you could qualify for Division One. Division Two wrestlers could. So to qualify for Division One, I, I you know Division Two and Division Three also. But Division Two, I always thought was the toughest qualifying tournament, bar none, back then, uh, because it was a 32-man bracket. In some cases, even more oh, wow. matches, and so you had to win that or play second in that 32 man bracket on a, a grueling two day, you know, national tournament to qualify for the national tournament the next weekend as well. So, and now come back and wrestle right away after that, you know, that big tournament. And so, uh, you know, I had some teammates, uh, Joe Gormley, Kurt Meyer, um, I believe Keith Kuhlman, uh, we're all, uh, I think placed in, in D1 as freshmen. Uh, maybe not Keith, but certainly Joe and, and, and Kirk, I'm pretty sure. So, Anyway, 
huge accomplishment for for Parker. Way to go, Panther. Uh, you know, if you look at the lineup, and maybe uh, maybe I'm mistaken, and you guys can call me on it. But you know, uh, Tristan Lara had uh, a nice win, uh, beating Van Brill right out of the gate. Um, you know, I I I think uh, you know. Really, Austin Yant, I know he lost to Marinelli, but, you know, I thought he wrestled pretty well at 165. Uh, a lot of these guys are coming back. You know, this was a, a lineup that at the beginning of the year, um, you know, 10 new faces, I think, when they started out that first double duel against the Dakota schools. Um, I, I really think next year, assuming everybody's back, and I know uh, uh, 141's probably in flux. It'll probably be Basil. I see Drew Bennett's in the transfer transfer portal uh, there. But with everybody else coming back, I think you and I has potential to really make some gains and and kind of be in that 10 through 12 spot at next year's uh, NCAA tournament. Barring injuries, of course. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, I was disappointed to, to see that Bennett put himself into the transfer portal. I, I got to believe I had to do something with, with the Russell off at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And you know, this year, I mean, I understand Russell off, you know, happening because he had such little time throughout the season to, to, to build a resume, so to speak. And Bennett kind of had one built there and, and uh, then got beat out evidently. And so, I'm kind of disappointed to see that that he's that he's transferred. Hopefully, he reconsiders and stays at UNI. All right, but do you do you think you and I have that potential to be right there? Oh, I do. Oh, yeah, I do. with their youth, crack the top ten. Yeah, yeah, because these these guys are um, like you said. You know, Jan and Lara had uh, you know I guess fairly decent tournaments and. Uh, uh, and Teske, they're they're just gonna do nothing but get better. Well, and, yeah. you know, and if you can add whole slog, if you can ever ever kind of be healthy, you know, if he can be healthy again. Right, and you guys had like two or three really strong recruiting years. Uh, you know, they brought in and uh, Apple from from Lisbon, who's still kind of in the in the shadows there, and you know mm -hmm. some other guys that are not coming off the top of my head right now, but. But, uh, you know, so, yeah, I, it's, it's not surprising. It's, it's exciting for me to see that happen. You know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Next year, you know, I think obviously Iowa has a chance to, to win it again. Uh, I really do think we could see all three teams in the top ten. I could see, I could see uh, you and I, Iowa State, being in that eight to ten range. You know, um, obviously that's a lot of ifs and buts and, you know, kind of going forward and things have to go the right way. But, you know, I, I can see next year being a year where those three schools, if everything goes well, you could have three teams in the top 10, certainly in the top 12. So that being said, I, mean, I just made me wonder – when was the last time you and I was in the top 10? When Foster won it, were they in close to that or 
I think they were 12th that year. 12th? Okay, so they had to go way back to clear back in the 90s, probably when my brother was a coach. I know they were there at least yeah, once. I can, I can actually uh, look that up. If you guys want to share um, maybe uh, maybe your biggest surprise of the finals. Um, if, there, if there was uh, somebody that stood out to you in the finals or uh, somebody that uh, was the biggest surprise in the finals, um, who was it for, for each of you? I'm going to say this. I'm going to jump, jump in here and say this. My surprise wasn't necessarily somebody, but, but maybe rather the way people played the edge. And, you know, I guess it kind of structured their match and, and navigated their match in that, you know, like, like for instance, in, in, uh, in Kemmerer's match, if I remember right, he went out and, and took a bunch of shots, couldn't finish. And towards the end of the match, maybe didn't have as much left uh, in the tank as, as his opponent. And, and then, you know, couldn't get the, get the victory there. Uh, you know, so what were the, the, you know, some guys a little more tactical and smart or, you know, in, in by doing that, did they take a lot of the, the fun and excitement and entertainment value out of the, out of the matches? What do you think? And, and, and another one, uh, I thought each, uh, each match, uh, at least the ones probably I paid more attention to, um, they were coached for that particular match on how to wrestle it. And I guess um, the, the one that comes to mind right off the bat is Courtney, uh, the way he was, I, I, I feel, coached to wrestle Lee. Um, <clears throat> it, just, it just seemed like a, uh, they almost like they, like you said, Dick, they ch almost changed their style for that finals match. <clears throat> yeah, and, and you know, maybe at uh, 41, Ironman did the same thing, went out and just couldn't get the finishes and then, you know, gave it up in uh, sudden victory, I think, wasn't it? Right. And, and uh, you know, like, were they coached to do that? Maybe. So you'd be the judge, I guess. And I know some people on social media have been the judge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought it was really apparent with uh, Courtney. Uh, can see it with Sirochi. Uh, I can't remember the fix uh, Bravo Young match, but I know a lot of people thought uh, Bravo Young was in the same type of boat. Um, and then at the end of the match, even though he wasn't able to convert, uh, you know, the Sasso-O'Connor match, um, I think that was at the end after O'Connor got that lead, you know, he was right there on the edge trying to use, trying to use the out-of-bounds as, as a little bit of an assistance to, to hold off uh, Sasso, even though it was really close. Uh, there's time ran out, but I agree wholeheartedly. I think there's a little bit more of a, a strategic, uh, you know, using the boundary. I joked about uh, Lee's first takedown and how he had to chase that all the way to Peoria to, to get it um, with Courtney. But um, it, to answer our question from before, you and I's last top 10 finish was 10th in 1992. Right. I would have been 
Yeah. With uh, Don as coach. Yep. That's what I thought. Yeah, it's been a long, long time since. So that'd be huge if they could get to the top 10. Yeah. And I thought they might have had a chance this year. It would have taken a lot, lot to do it. But, you know, if they get high medals at 25 and, and 285, and then a couple of other sneak in there, you know, that would have been an opportunity. But um, yeah. anyway, I, I didn't see Kaisen, honestly, placing third. Uh, doesn't surprise me that he did, but I, I didn't have that picked in my mind. Right. So that was a, a nice, nice line there. But, uh, you know, that, uh, going back to the Bravo fix match and, and, Bra and uh, Roman Bravo Young, he, uh, that guy is so fast. Did you happen to see the semifinal match when he did like a fling around? <laughs> he, 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 did, he, he, does so he grabbed a leg or ankle and just whole body was up in the air flinging around. Really? Yeah, I mean, he's so fast and and so, I mean, he, you know, that's basically how he got the, the victory in, in the sudden victory, the takedown and sudden victory. But, but uh, you know, you got to go with your strengths in that respect. But, you know, it'd be nice to see some shots in there as well. <laughs> right. Um, you know, of course, Gable Stevenson, you know, won. A.J. Ferrari, I think, was uh, a little bit of a, a shocker. There, uh, 197, maybe a little bit, um, but he had wrestled really well uh, at the end of the season and certainly has a personality that a lot of people will remember as well. Um, but I, I have to, as far as 197, uh, 197 is concerned, to me that was, I don't want to call it the weakest weight, is the, is the weight that had the, didn't have a real, strong standout person at that weight so and that was the weight that could have gone to probably a number of people you wrestle it again you know, five times in the next five weeks you might have five different champs so um and, you know ferrari you know I, some people like that stuff i don't i'm old school you know, <laughs> give me spencer lee and that sort of comment all day although spencer was a little bit out of character even in his, for him <laughs> yeah um of parody 197 had a lot of parody to it. There you go, parody. There you go, yeah. Um, yeah, um, just to touch on Iowa, uh, really quick, uh, they ended up with seven All Americans. Um, the uh, the consolation round Saturday morning is what really mm -hmm. sealed things up for them. Uh, they came out. Uh, Saturday morning went six and one during uh, that session, three and zero in the consolation semifinals. Uh, Young won his seventh place match. Uh, DeSanto and uh, Cassiope finished third. Warner ended up going fourth, but they went six and one there to clinch it before the finals. And that uh, I think that was impressive the way. They wrestled on the backside there, especially Saturday morning, to to really clinch uh, that twenty fourth title. Yeah, you know, um, with with their seeds, you know, you always want to place higher than your seed, and uh, with the four number one seeds, it's hard to hard to place a little higher. So, you know, overall, um, like like you said, Young won his. Uh, seventh place match and it was a five seed so even he didn't wrestle real bad um, but that that consolation that consolation semifinal round 
uh, really, really set them out. Well, and, and that backside, when you get on that backside, it's brutal. I mean, your, your mindset is not necessarily where it should be because, you know, you've lost your opportunity to be a national champ that you've been working entire, your entire life for. And, uh, you know, so you've got to regroup. I know everyone has to regroup, but some guys are coming off a win and some guys are coming off a loss when they meet each other. You know, if you're, if you're, you know, been on the backside for two rounds, you're now winning and the guy that drops down is now losing. And it just becomes a tough, a tough battle. And uh, you don't even know who's going to be dropping down on you. Maybe a number one seed that got upset or whatever. And, and uh, it just, it, it, it's, it's so brutal back there. So they did a fabulous job. Thank goodness. Or they wouldn't have had a championship. So, you know, another example of everyone really kicked in on this title and yeah, not everyone's happy, but, but, uh, um, but you know, it's well-deserved and well-earned. So we'll knock on wood. Hopefully, uh, you know, we're, we're breaking down uh, a full season of action here next year and, uh, recapping a, a full tournament uh, in Detroit after D1s and in Cedar Rapids again uh, here um, this next season for D3s as well. So keep our fingers crossed for that. Well, maybe next year we can uh, all be in one place. Yeah, right? <laughs> we can... Uh, but this has been good. Adapt and, I, and adjust, right? Adapt and adjust. I do want to thank both of you for allowing me to be part of this. This has been a lot of a lot of fun and fun year. Yeah, we've uh, it's a good team. It's a good team. So thank you guys for everything that you do, uh, not just for the podcast, but for wrestling in general. Uh, thank you to Nathan. Uh, really appreciate you sitting through. Uh, our discussion each week and putting this up for us. So thank you, Nathan T. Ford, uh, for all that. Um, it's, uh, it's definitely your, your effort definitely doesn't go unnoticed. So thank you for that. Thanks for everybody that, uh, watches, listens, participates, uh, and supports uh, the sport of wrestling. And we'll close out, uh, this season with one last, uh, Word from Wyatt. Give let's, him our let's keep wrestling on the move. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>